Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. We're hearing God's Word this morning from Genesis chapter 16. Um, and we've been going through Genesis here at Resurrection. We've been going through the life of Abram, uh, who is soon to become Abraham. Not, not there yet. That's next week. But... Uh, but if you were here last week, I said that Abram has gone, been on an up and down. He, went, he started out up following God's command, his call to go. Then he went down as he ran away to Egypt. Um, just put it down there. So. He ran away to Egypt. And then he went on and back up as he rescued. Uh, he split the land with Lot. He, rescued, uh, he went and rescued Lot. He had the covenant made last week. And then this week, this week is a big down. Um, this, is, this is down down on par with running away to Egypt and giving his wife over to the court of Pharaoh. This is, this is a down. And it's, this is both a down in the life of Abram, and we can look at this and we could, you know, it's easy to look at the biblical characters, um, whether it's the patriarchs like Abram or whether it's the disciples in the New Testament, and to kind of, to kind of sneer at them a little bit, because the Bible is very honest about their faults and shortcomings. Like, how could he do this? And yet, this is, not really, uh, this is not really a text in the Bible for us to sneer at. Because if we're honest, we, we do a lot of these things, same things ourselves. And we can see in all of the characters in this story, of, uh, see Abram and Sarai and Hagar, none of, them really, none of them are really models here. All of them have their shortcomings. And yet, we should, and we should have great sympathy for all of them. Because though they fail and fall down and do the wrong thing, um, we, are, we are not better than they are. So just keep that in mind as we read. Also, to keep in mind as we read, there's, there, are many, there are challenging things here. Uh, there are hurtful issues uh, that this, this text addresses uh, in our lives, of very painful issues um, of oppression, of childlessness. Um, and so... There is peace and hope in it, uh, but the Bible is always very real about the struggles in this world. So let's read Genesis chapter 16, see what God has for us this morning. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, 
I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. And Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word even when it's challenging, even when it's hard. We pray now that as we reflect on your word together, that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that this word that was written down so long ago would be your word for us today. We pray that you would ch take this word, that it would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, there's, a whole, there's a whole series uh, of Bible verses that are not actually in the Bible but that people think are in the Bible. And probably the most famous of those Bible verses that are not actually in the Bible is that God helps those who help themselves. Anybody heard that? God helps those who help themselves. Anybody? You, you don't have to raise your hand to admit that you maybe, maybe you thought it was in the Bible at some point. Uh, so let me tell you that is not in the Bible. It is not true. It is not said in the Bible. It is not true. And in fact, it is false that God helps those who help themselves. But this idea that God helps those who help themselves is deeply rooted into us as humans. We, we, want, we, we get this idea that, yeah, God's, God's out there and God says things, and, but sometimes we just need to make it happen. What we see here in Genesis chapter 16 is Abram and Sarai taking a God helps them who helps themselves attitude. Abram has just been promised that he will be the father of a multitude. The father, he's been, that he will be a great nation. His descendants will be as the stars on the sky, the sand on the seashore. And so now in chapter 16, he and Sarai are like, all right. Well, it's clearly not happening with Sarai. She has been unable to bear children. She is quite old. So let's see if we can make this happen with Hagar. And when we can look at this from the objective side and, and from with the benefit of time and be like, what, what, what in the world? were you thinking? But in their shoes, there's, there's a, a mod, they shouldn't have done it for sure, but there is a sense of sympathy of like the, the difficulty of the situation that they were facing, the desperation of that situation. And yet it does not work at all. For our fundamental, the fundamental problem here is that we think that God helps those who help themselves. We think we need to do something. We think we need to make something happen. And as we see here in Genesis 16, when we try to make things happen in our ideas, it doesn't work. Because part of the problem here is that we try to, we lose patience with God's promises. We try to make them happen for ourselves. But the bigger problem is that the world is really hard. There are just these problems in the world that cannot be solved. I mean, think of, as we prayed earlier, for the situation in, in Turkey and Syria, the earthquake and the devastation of those earthquakes 
and the cold that's afflicting people. And then the political challenges of those countries with trying to bring in international aid. Like it's, it's just an overwhelming problem. There is no easy solution. When we get down into the details of our own lives, we find plenty of problems for which there's just no solution. And as we get in here in Genesis chapter 16, we find ourselves rapidly in a problem with no solution. What, what should happen now? Now that Abram and Sarai have done this and tried to create a family with Hagar, like, what, what is he supposed to do? What is she supposed to do? What is Hagar supposed to do? What is Sarai supposed to do? There's no good answers in this situation. And what we want, we want answers. We want to make things happen. Or at least we want to mete out the justice. So this punishment for you, this punishment for you, this level of justice. But instead, what God says to Hagar and what God says to Sarai and what God says to Abram and ultimately what he says to us is that God sees and hears. That is the message of Genesis chapter 16 for them. That's the message of Genesis chapter 16 for us. Is that all the struggle of the world, all that we feel going on in our lives, in the world at large, all that we can't figure out, God sees and hears. It doesn't give a precise answer. The text, what, what exactly is going to happen, we'll have to see how the story plays out with Ishmael and with what will happen with Sarai. But the message is that God sees and hears. And we see that in, in verse 13. We see it two places. We see it in verse 11. The angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant, shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. Ishmael means God hears. So he, she named, the angel of the Lord tells Hagar to name her son God hears because he has heard her cries. He has heard her affliction at the hands of Sarai. And then she speaks to him in verse 13. She says, you are a God of seeing. Truly here I've seen him who looks after me. God sees, God hears, God knows. In the midst of our trials, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our figuring things out, God knows what is going on. So I said that there, earlier there was a phrase, um, and God helps those who help themselves. There's also the famous, the famous dilemma of the problem of, of evil, of how can, how can God, when we see evil in the world, how can God be all-powerful and all-loving? How can God be powerful and good and there still be evil in the world? This is a, a deep and enduring problem. It's a problem here in Genesis 16. It's a problem in our world today. How do we make sense of this? And I think for most of us, we at least intellectually agree with God's power. And so where we tend to struggle is with God's goodness. Is God really for us? And we see this, Sarah, wondering, okay, God, you've made these promises. I'm sure you could do it, but, but you're not. Do you love me? Maybe I'll have to take matters into my own hands. Hagar, the helpless, being, being just passed about, forced into to bear children for her, her master, for her mistress's husband, and then driven off into the desert. God, where, where are you in this? And God's answer to them, his answer to us is simply, I am here. That there, we, we, te we don't tend to doubt his power, we struggle with his goodness. And so this morning he calls us to trust his goodness 
because he is the God who sees and hears. So we can trust his goodness. We can have patience with his promises. We can wait on him to do what is right. So that's, that's the big picture. That's the main idea of Genesis chapter 16, that God sees and hears. And in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our uncertainty, in the midst of our lack of hope, our lack of trust, God sees and hears, and he makes himself present among us. So we're going to look briefly now. That's most of it. Real, real quick now, we're just going to look at the three characters and what they mean for us. So first, that God sees, so Hagar, Sarai, Abram, the three characters here responding to God, and three that show us how God sees and hears us. First, that God sees and hears the hurt, that's Hagar. God sees and hears the harsh, that's Sarai. And God sees and hears the hopeless, that's Abram. God sees the hurt, the harsh, the hopeless. And perhaps this morning you find yourself in one or more of those places. So first, God sees the hurt, Hagar. Hagar, Hagar is not perfect in this story, but, but she's mostly hurt here. She is, she is mostly the victim. It is her, her not perfectness is looking on, on contempt with Sarah, at, at, at Sarai. But, I mean, Hagar, Hagar is the position of a servant. She was brought from Egypt uh, to be the servant of Sarai. And then she has, she has no power here. And so she is taken, uh, she's, she's being used to try to produce offspring that Sarai expects will be her offspring by right. And this is hard this is hard for us to even wrap our heads around that this could even be a possibility of a thing. Um, but it is, it is what it is. And the Bible is clear that it is not going well. It is not a good thing that Sarai chose to do. So Hagar has been oppressed. Hagar runs away, understandably. And what happens to Hagar? Look at verse 7. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. Just keep in mind who Hagar is. Hagar is not really of Abram's family. She's not supposed to be part of the line of God's people. She's not somebody that you would expect to be cared for. If this story was just about Abram, Hagar would just now disappear. Like Abram made a mistake, all right, you're gone, Hagar. Don't, and let's keep the focus on Abram and his his line with Sarai. But that's not what happens with God. God has eyes for Hagar. The angel of the Lord found her. Like this is an impressive encounter. The angel of the Lord came and found her, spoke to her, interacted with her, gave her a message, gave her hope. What we see here is God's compassion for those who have been hurt. So this morning, if you find yourself having been hurt deeply, having been hurt in a situation that you have no answers for, that you cannot get out of, that you cannot fix, a situation where you have no power. The Bible this morning is not offering quick and easy solutions, but it is saying that God sees you. God wants you to know that he sees you and he hears you and he understands. And he, he tells Hagar to do something a little bit surprising. You would kind of think maybe he would take her away somewhere else, but he sends her back to Sarai. He says, this, this may not make sense, but go back to your mistress. Live there. Give birth to this child. But here's the promise. 
In verse 10, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. God in his grace looks at Hagar and says, I'm going to make good the promise that I made to Abram, that he would be the father of multitude. He wasn't supposed to do it this way. It was not supposed to do it through you. And Abram's line, God's covenant promises are going to go through another. They will go through Sarai. But Hagar, I'm giving you this promise too. You will be the mother of a multitude. Uh, in verse 12, about her son Ishmael, he shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. That, that may or may not seem like a good thing. Uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a rough life, but the notes uh, in the ESV study Bible point out that Hagar was in a position of powerlessness. And God is saying to her, your son Ishmael, he will be a powerful one. It's not always going to be easy for him, but he is not going to be anybody's servant. He, and so there is, there is hope and there is grace here for Hagar. Because God sees those who the world would shove aside. The world would use up and cast out, and God sees the hurting. So this morning, if you are hurting, know that you are seen by God. But we can't miss here that God also sees the harsh. And here Sarai is the harsh one. It says that in verse, uh, verse 6, Sarai dealt harshly with her. And even for the harsh, there is grace. God does not give up on Sarai. God does not take away his promise for what was done to Sarai, for what Sarai did. Instead, God brings her servant back to her, and then he will remain faithful to his promise to Sarai, even though she was harsh, even though she was oppressive, even though she tried to make mat take matters into her own hands. And so maybe this morning you know that you have not been in the position of being hurt, but you know that you have hurt others, that you have done harsh things, that you have used your power to take advantage of other people. There is grace for you too. There is grace for you to receive the love of God, to come back to him and say, God, why did I do this? You, we can look at Sarai, those of us who have, have any piece of power, any opportunity to treat other people badly, can look at Sarah and say, I do not, we do not want to be like this. But I have done this. Out of my own fear, out of my own trying to make things work, I have acted harshly towards others. And I repent. And God has grace for you too. This applies when we've been harsh. It applies when we look at other people who have been harsh towards us or towards others. That we do not shy away from the truth of it. We do not shy away from calling it sin, sin. Saying that oppression is oppression. That injustice is injustice. And yet, there is grace. So we don't have to minimize what we have done. We don't have to minimize what other people have done. But instead, to stay, God is present. And God shows grace. God sees the hurt. God sees the harsh. God sees the hopeless. That's Abram here. In a sense, Abram is the, the most minor character in this story. And, and truthfully, hopeless may not be the most perfect. It really, I just needed an H uh, to go with hurt and harsh. And it's close. Uh, really passive would be better for Abram here. Uh, Abram is, is fundamentally passive in this story. He doesn't do much. He just, he just says, okay, Sarah, good idea. And then when she gets upset, he's like, well, do what you want. And then Hagar comes back and he's like, all right, here's Ishmael. Here's my son. He's not, Abram's not doing much. You can easily imagine 
what Abram should have done differently. Abram should have said to Sarai, no, no, let's not do this. Let's continue to wait on God. He will be faithful. He has always been faithful. Let's not do this, Sarai. I don't, we, we, we will wait on God. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. And though Abram is the most minor character in a sense in this story, I have a feeling that he may be the one that most of us most identify with here. Not, not Abram the fighter, not Abram the promise keeper, but Abram the passive and the hopeless, who knows what God has promised, but just doesn't see it working out anymore. And are just ready to go along with what anybody else would suggest. And the good news for you this morning, the good news for all of us who feel hopeless, who feel passive, is that God was faithful to Abram. He did not give up on his promises. He did not take them away. He did not say, I'm going to choose somebody else. But we will see in the coming, in the very next chapter, that God reaffirms his promise. That God makes a new covenant with Abram and promises him the son that he had promised, the son Isaac. God does not give up on his promises. So this morning, whether you're hurt, whether you're harsh, whether you're hopeless, or whether you're some combination of all three, as many of us are at some times, know that God sees and hears. For here in Genesis 16, the angel of the Lord came and found Hagar in the wilderness to say, I, God, am present with you. I see and hear. It's a little mysterious in Genesis in the Old Testament who exactly this angel of the Lord is. But we know that God sent his messenger to find Hagar. We know that God came to find us. And that the message that God sees and that God hears and he is present was fully fulfilled when Jesus came down. When Jesus came to say, the world seems like it is full of problems that cannot be fixed. You may go looking for solutions on your own. But the only solution is my presence to come and be amongst you. To come and say, God sees, God hears in very real and tangible ways. And God will provide a solution that no human could provide. Because that's what really happened. Jesus coming to earth is not just a, oh, look, God is with us. He likes us. But he came to actually do something. It's the mystery of Jesus' death and resurrection is that that made a solution where no solution was possible. Where God's, the, the problem of God's power and God's goodness and the evil in the world could not be reconciled in any way except with the presence of God himself. And the presence of God himself going to the cross. Where justice could be made, could be made right. Where sin could be forgiven. Where evil could be defeated. For there, God's presence comes to all of us who are hurt, all of us who are harsh, all of us who are hopeless, and God made good on all of his promises. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence, that you are the God who sees and hears, that you saw and he heard Hagar in the wilderness, that you saw and heard Sarai and Abram, even in their harshness and their hopelessness, and that you see and hear us. Pray that you would show us more and more what that means, that you are with us, that you love us, and that we can trust in your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.